Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Talking City podcast. Uh, my name's Isaac Johnson and I am joined by our Manchester City reporter, Joe Bray. How are you, Joe? Yes, very well. Thanks, Isaac. Are you good? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Thank you. So um, you were there You were there at Wembley, um, first of all, for, for the, obviously the FA Cup final. Um, how was that? I mean, just to to be at an FA Cup final anyway is one of those things that you always want to do, and to be at an All Manchester FA Cup final is is definitely one of those things that, as a football fan, you will remember. But as a as a City reporter, it it, it felt like a bigger game than City have played in a long time. Yes, they've won the Premier League, but you always get a feeling in the build up to a derby in in Manchester that form goes out the window. Both fans, both sets of fans are terrified of, of the other team, regardless of how they're doing. And I, I think United fans were determined to end City's treble hopes and City fans were probably a little bit worried that they would uh, have that, that, that treble hope ended by by United. And uh, there was that debate, wasn't there, that City City fans, would you rather win the FA Cup final or Champions League final? And I don't think there was ever a, a real consensus set because... There was a genuine fear that they would lose to United at Wembley, and they wouldn't just use, lose to United at Wembley; they would have their treble hopes ended by United. And uh, you got that impression as as the fans were walking down Wembley Way and on on the tube on the way um, in the ground. It was a little bit quiet before kickoff. You you could feel the nerves. I think um, you know if, I've seen quite a few criticisms of sort of the manufactured atmosphere before kickoff. There was a DJ playing sort of. Bit rubbish versions of Blue Moon and and this is the one for United, but I did kind of like the fact that it was one end then the other end and a bit of back and forth. And by the time kickoff came around, the atmosphere was absolutely electric. And City fans did did the Poznan before kickoff when the United team was read out. That was uh, a nice touch if if you're of a City persuasion. And it just got that sort of derby atmosphere going. And when it's a fifty fifty stadium, we never see that, do we, in a derby? you know a a dead split between the fans and it it did make for a good atmosphere until 12 seconds in as uh i mean every single person in that stadium was absolutely stunned when uh, when gundogan slashed that ball in i was you know when it kicks off i never normally 
look at the action because nothing ever happens in the first minute really you look at who's playing where and you, you're sort of just getting all your ducks in a row when you when you're doing your reporting but i thought i'll just have you just just see what happens and then suddenly gundigan finds the top corner with that and i, I would be surprised if City fans have better goal celebration at, at any point in the season because just for all of those things i mentioned the the bounce it, it did look a very very good celebration just united fans were absolutely stunned and I think Gundogan was stunned all the players were no one really knew how to react and I, I was forgetting as well it was an absolutely fantastic goal so um, yeah it was a it was a really good atmosphere to be at and obviously United fought back got they got their equaliser and I, I, I just think as a FA Cup final we've been we've had to endure some pretty rubbish ones I think in recent years this one had tension it had a good atmosphere it had a rivalry it had a lot of backstories and yeah it was a, a really really good FA Cup final I thought Yes, of course, and obviously the, the 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 goal after twelve seconds was the quickest ever in FA Cup final history, which was for a City fan. It, it, that that's something to cling to. Um, it was a brilliant atmosphere, like you said, be, leading up uh, just before the game. It's interesting you mention about nerves because um, I think those who don't follow City quite closely might have thought, "Oh, City are going to run run away with this." Um, but as it happened, it was only a one-goal margin. So how how was the game won? Yeah, going into it, you you forget about how well City been playing, and especially when with that twenty-five, twenty-six game run where they didn't lose a game. Brentford, yes, they lost, but there was a, a lot of changes and a lot of mitigating factors in that game. Um, yeah, well, City were always going to be favourites, but if you ask any City fan if they feared United or Inter Milan more, for example, they would probably say United just because United are always there, aren't they? They showed it at Old Trafford. Um, you can never predict in a derby and when there's so much at stake, you know, City have a, a bit of a record in, in recent years of maybe not rising to the occasion at times. But when, when you, your captain's volleying one in the top corner, 10 seconds in then that sort of settles the nerves if you like and, and City went on and had a number of decent chances hit the side netting uh, I think Haaland put one wide or, or just over the bar and it, it could genuinely have been about 3 or 4 nil. Um obviously then United come back and get that that penalty I'm not really sure why there are debates over whether it was a penalty or not in this day and age if it hits your hand in the box it's going to be a penalty it was extremely soft Grealish is right after the game when he says what's he meant to do I, I don't think his arm is in that much of an unnatural position um, the fact that Stefan Ortega catches it with no United player within 10 yards shows that Grealish touching that ball with his hand has done nothing to alter a United chance in the slightest but when it hits your hand it's a penalty so however harsh it was I think it was uh, a sort of self-inflicted uh, goal to give away for City in, in, in that respect because if if it hadn't flicked his hand, then nobody would have ever said anything about that chance and just put it down to a, a poor header back across the box from from Wan-Bissaka. But um, it was a little bit like the Old Trafford derby in that a decision went against City and they they were knocked off the stride a bit. We we saw at Old Trafford the the uh, awful offside with with Marcus Rashford and then this one the, the penalty. However debatable it was for me, it was a penalty. There was a few other decisions beforehand, a potential uh, card for for Casemiro that City fans really wanted. Um, I was 
in the queue for some half-time refreshments and, and Michael Brown was there and he was absolutely adamant with me that, you know, Casemiro should have seen red, let alone anything else. And, you know, that that was the mood from, from the City fans. The, the referees got booed off because of a number of decisions. I think Kevin De Bruyne had a, had a potential penalty. I, I just think the referee, for all of these decisions, was trying to let the game flow and give the benefit of the doubt and not do anything that would be too too sort of out of the ordinary with the penalty I don't think he could have given anything else once you see that it hits Grealish's hand I think he was trying to give the benefit of the doubt to uh, to defenders in in a lot of those circumstances I know a lot of City fans have and will disagree with me on that but I don't think the referee had too bad a game uh, in in the final um, but yeah City were a little bit rocked after that goal United probably finished that first half stronger even though they as I say could have been three or four goals down and then after yeah, second half, City asserted the dominance again. Gundogan scores another very well worked uh, volley from the edge of the area, and that was when we see the new sort of City use their experience, restrict United to uh, only one more chance in in the dying seconds. We 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 all said before the game, look at those benches. That's where the game is going to be won. City were able to bring on, um, I now have to remember who they brought on, but they brought on Foden. They brought on Laporte towards the end. Uh, was it? Ake as well, possibly. Um, they, they brought on good players and they also had Mahrez and Alvarez just sat on the bench, not not coming on as well. United only could bring on Garnacho, who was very, very good when he did come on, far better than Jadon Sancho. But they had no one else really to change that game. So even if, it, if they had got an equaliser and gone to extra time, you would have definitely backed City for that. And I, I just think the, the momentum that City built up over the last few weeks... They've found a sort of solid team now, haven't they, to, to approach these big games. They, they are ready to win these titles and, 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 and they stepped up to the occasion. I just don't think United were, were ever going to get close to them. It, it, it was a 2-1 scoreline that probably flattered United more than more than City. Yes, absolutely. And, and we, we talk about those the strength and depth on the bench between the two sides um, and obviously the, the also the, the quality on the pitch if you have just alluded to there um now we are going to talk about Gundogan's future a bit later on but just for now on his impact well I want to talk about Gundogan first but I also want to talk about a new midfielder as it were in John Stones as well who has since he's gone into that uh midfield role has played phenomenally I think he's he's it's he, almost like he's found a new <laughs> new life there uh, and he was saying as much as that when he was interviewed um, afterwards uh, by, by TV. But first of all, how important is Gundogan to the team and um, how much of an impact has Stones had in his role? Well, Gundogan's un- undroppable at the moment, isn't he? He's, I think in his last six games, he's got six goals, three very, very big braces, two assists, both uh, you know, title-winning and trophy-winning uh, Contributions. I think he's averaging. I worked out if I remember a goal or assist every sixty-five minutes in his last six games, which is ridiculous for for a player of of, of that standard. And he is someone who is going to start the Champions League final on on the current form. And he's stepping up. He, we know he scored those two goals against Aston Villa last year, and he scored in on final day wins in the past. And then Everton, he scores two. Leeds, he scores two. Those were the six points that got City over the line in the Premier League 
earlier than anyone expected. Arsenal had no answer to those, and it was Gundogan who who won those two games for City. He gets an assist in the Bernabeu to to get City level to take back to uh, to the Etihad to then demolish Real Madrid. I think he got an assist in the Everton game as well when it, that was the. The game that got City over the line in the Premier League, and now he's got two goals in a 2 1 win in an FA Cup final against Manchester United. He is the ultimate big game player. And when you see him playing like that, as you say, we'll talk about his future shortly, but you, you can't imagine him leaving when he's playing like this and being so important. The only thing I would say on that is it struck me midway through the game after he, around about the time where he nearly had a hat trick, but he was you know clearly offside. He's having a similar end to the season as Vincent Company did when when he left in 2019. You know, Company smashes that goal in against Leicester in uh, at the Etihad that effectively wins the title for City. Then they go and win it on the final day. Then he goes and captains City to an FA Cup win at Wembley, six um, nil. They complete the treble. Obviously, City haven't done that yet, and it's a different kind of treble. But if Gundogan was to leave, he would ultimately be doing it. On, on a high and if you're going to leave a club as a captain then you can't really do it in a in a better way if Gundogan is to leave but I think the way he's playing and he spoke to, to reporters after the game and I think this was quite telling he said I've played better in my career I've I don't look at this form at the moment and see think it's the best uh the best I've played in my career and he's pointed to scoring a lot more goals in the past, even though a goal a game in his last six is fairly good. You you, you would have to say, um, he's he's spoken about you know contributing a bit more over a longer period of time. That just shows the the standards that he sets for himself. He, he is one of those players that has often come good at, at the end of seasons and when City need him, and he leads by example. But uh, no, I I just think he's. The, the every game he plays and every big contribution he has, he's he's just writing another a line in that chapter of, of his place in, in City's history and whatever happens this summer, he he is he is ending the season on a high and if, if City do want to win the treble it will be in a large part thanks to, to Gundogan and this season's been all about Haaland but it's ending ending as the Gundogan show. Um I I I'm I've spoken a bit there, so before I get onto Stones, what 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 were your opinions on on Gundogan's performance and you know he's got to start the final surely? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I I think um, it was a captain's performance, wasn't it? Really, it was it was leadership uh, in terms of on the ball, and he was he was you know very. It was just he was he was just dominant really in term in terms of his his play uh, and his not only that his his movement I think I think we think, forget that as well especially in his his role his movement and his positioning and his vision um, to get in the, into those positions in the first place is is brilliant you know and um, that strike that 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 first minute I mean you can't ask for a better start can you and then that that sets the foothold then you sort of everyone goes. Whew. You know, you can feel the city fans always go after it. After it, all celebrations calm down, and I think that really summarises that his their feeling towards Gundogan. I don't know what you think about that in, in terms of once he's on the pitch and, and and once he's on the ball, it's like we can relax because we've got a sure a sure figure here. Okay, um, and so in regards to John Stones, then obviously he's found a new life in in the midfield. Um, what 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 do we think uh, about his role going forward and his impact on the side? Yeah, I'll take my mic mic off uh, off mute there. But yeah, Stones is another one who's ending the season brilliantly. He's 
he'd sort of struck up that partnership with Ruben Diaz in, in defence and it was a, a definite pairing in, in, in the centre of defence. And then I think it was it Bayern Munich, he moved over to the right and was, was one of those players tasked with uh, inverting into midfield from the right. He was good in that role and, you know, you can't do badly against Bayern Munich um, if you're going to... If City are going to win, you need a player like that to, to play well. And Stones did that. And slowly that sort of back four with one or two inverted fullbacks has effectively migrated into a back three. And Stones is playing next to next to Rodri. And when United had the ball, John Stones was, was a defender. He's winning headers for the long balls. But as soon as City had it, he was a midfielder. And he was effectively playing box to box. He, he wasn't thinking about defensive commitments in terms of being in that back line. And I, I, I've i said it before and I, I will probably say it again. There was a time where, you know, Pep Guardiola really wanted Stones in that defensive midfield role, gave him a couple of trials and realised, no, it's, you know, it's, it's not going to work out. We need to give him a bit more time. Stones then had his, you know, well-publicised problems, uh, wasn't in the team, uh, and then he's bounced back, won his place back in, in the centre of defence, and now it feels like everything's coming together. He's got all that knowledge, all that form, all that confidence, and now he is being that sort of defensive midfielder that, that Guardiola's always in. Him as an, yeah, he, he was and it, probably, you have to class him as a centre midfielder against Real Madrid. He, he was just an, he was everywhere against United and there's that uh, clip of him taking the ball on, on the edge of his own box three players around him and he just drops a shoulder and turns out of out of the three players and, and sets City on the tack he was doing that all game and he's uh, I, I think what I'd underestimated is his ability on the ball we always think of Laporte as, as the ball playing defender in City's ranks Stones has got a good pass on him and uh, his, his, his recent performances have, have really showcased that and when you're a City midfielder, you need to pick that right pass, whether it's just a short one or you need to know the time to switch it wide, play it forward through the middle. He barely put a foot wrong in uh, in that defence. And, and the only time that Guardiola was frustrated at a midfielder for making the wrong decision was when Rodri galloped forward and lost the ball. Guardiola fell to the floor and did a, a dramatic sort of reaction to it. And it looked like they just conceded in the last minute, even though they were, I think, 2-1 ahead at the time. And then who who recovers the ball when uh, when United look to get close to the area? It's John Stones. So, uh, no, his, uh, his performance was one of the more eye-catching ones in the final just because it was just different and... I say different, it's been coming for a while and for, for him to, to be pulling this off on, on the big stages against United in the final, against Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, it just shows the uh, the level of player we're dealing with and uh, what one of my pieces I wrote after the game was you know if Gundogan leaves could Stones be someone to just fill that midfield gap I'm I'm not saying that Stones will play that role as an out and out midfielder but the more players City have from defence coming in alongside Rodri will help plug a gap if City need to integrate a new midfielder, for example, or or just rejig that that department. You've got Rico Lewis on one side who can do it, maybe in the less important games but he's n never never failed a test yet so he could do it in the big games as well you've got John Stones as well Manu Akanji and Nathan Ake even showed that that they can step forward when when needed but no I think Stones is he's going to be one to watch of how his position develops over the next season yes absolutely his um his game plays eye-catching and that chant is too Johnny Johnny Stones 
Right, brilliant. Well, thank you, Joe. That's all for part one. Join us in part two to hear from Kevin De Bruyne and Manu Akanji, plus the latest on Ilkai Gundogan's future. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I think you can start better in a game like, like we did today. It was unbelievable. Great shot from Gundo. Um, and then after... Yeah, we, we tried to play, but it wasn't always that easy. Uh, then we found out that on my side, we had a lot of space, so we tried to attack over my side, but we didn't get any more to like to real chances. And then uh, the penalty happens, and it's an open game. It's 1-1. Uh, it's and I think we started better in the second half. Um, yeah, we tried to create something. It wasn't that... Um, how do I say it the best way? Like they coordinated, like in the first half, like it was going back, back and forth, back and forth. And happily, uh, Gündo scores the second goal. A uh, great pass from Kev and great finish from uh, from Gündo as well for the for the second one. And yet, in the end, United try to try to attack again. I think they had like yeah, maybe like one chance that after the I think corner free kick. I'm not sure, but yeah, I'm happy we won. What was your view on the penalty? Have you seen it back and on the pitch? How did you did you know what was going on? I just saw like uh, the first action um, when the ball went over me and Czech tried to jump with Van Bissaka. I don't know if he touched his hand. Um, I didn't see it again, so it's hard for me to tell. What you did see, I'm sure, was Ilkay Gundogan's first goal. That was some strike, the quickest goal ever in an FA Cup final. Yeah, what a, what a goal. I mean, he hit it perfectly. I think you can't, you can't save the ball. And yeah, great start for us in the game. Captain, obviously, Ilkay again, scored so many important goals for this club. How important is he to what you do? Nah, he's so important. He's our captain. Um, he's, he's a leader. And, uh, the performance he showed again today shows how important he is for us. Hopefully, hopefully he can help us again next week to win, a, to win another trophy. And yeah, I hope I hope I can keep playing with him a couple of more games. Um, I'm really happy. I like him as a person. I like him as a player. So I hope he stays here. Do you understand the magnitude of what you've achieved today for the fans? Because there was a lot of anxiety about coming up against Manchester United while you're chasing their record of winning all three trophies. I wasn't afraid. I knew we were going to win. I was confident um, that we went into the game. But yeah, obviously, um, they tried They tried to win that big cup. I mean, it's the final. It's what uh, the opposing team tried to do. And even against Manchester at, at Derby here in the final in Wembley, it's, it's an amazing game. And I think it was also a good game to watch because it was it was still tight. And yeah, I'm happy we, we, we won the game in the end. That's two out of three then in the bag. How are you feeling about the Champions League now next week? It's one more to go. Um, that's our that's our mentality. Uh, now we're gonna celebrate a little bit, but not too much because we know we got an important game coming next week. Yeah, the manager says in his press conference today, you have to win that Champions League final. Is that how you feel as a group? Yeah, we do. I mean, it's a, it's a big opportunity for us uh, going into the final. The way we played over the last few months, uh, we know we're, we're confident for the final, but we know it's not going to be easy. I mean, Inter, they, they came into the final as well, and they beat some they beat some good teams. So we we got to be ready. We've got to bring our best game to win it. 
we've not really been able to ask you about the treble until this point. You now have the two, it's just one game to go. What would it mean to this group to win the treble? That would be unbelievable. I think if we wouldn't win it, everybody would be a little bit down because we had such a big opportunity this year. We're in a good shape and yeah, I really feel like we, we have to win it. The mindset is there from everybody that we really want to do it this year. Uh, finally win the Champions League and uh, I hope we can do it next week. Do you feel like you're in the middle of something special? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Tom, man, well done, we spoke to you after the, um, after the Real Madrid game and you said then you thought the treble was a possibility. What sort of belief is there going through the players? I think it's just the way we're playing. Um, we're feeling really comfortable, confident in the systems we play. Um, yeah, and the, and the team itself, we have a good uh, mood, in the, good vibe in the, in the, in the changing room. And we keep this going even into the next games and now we, we know we got one more game to go and we have to bring it all in. And what's Pep's message? Is it just one game at a time? It is. I mean, obviously we know we get the Champions League final next week, but the full focus was on the FA Cup. We got to take it one game at a time and now we got one more to go. Congratulations. What was the mood like in the dressing room after winning the second of the three trophies you're hunting? Everybody's happy, you know. Uh, you worked the whole year and... Um, I think we had a tough run in the FA Cup with a lot of good teams and um, I think we deserve to win. It's never easy and it's a derby so um, everybody's proud and well, we've won two titles already so it's been brilliant for us. From the outside we were talking a lot about what this game meant for fans of both teams. As you celebrated with your fans there at the end, do you have, did you have a real understanding of what was at stake for them today? Well I think everybody understands how it is when you play a derby you know no matter where you've played before there's always a derby and you understand how the supporters work with each other now with social media it gets even worse I, I, I guess but we we try to win the game and obviously after if you win it you can enjoy it more with the fans and yeah for, the, for them uh, it will be probably a little bit bigger also and the significance that you can now go on and try and win the treble and try and emulate what Manchester United did and they can believe for another week at least. Yeah, but I don't feel like there's any pressure, you know, no matter what happens. We, we had a great season already and I think we, we should, we're going to try and get ourselves as ready as best we can be and then go to Istanbul and play another great game. So, you know, um, it's been... Uh, incredible season and hopefully we can make it even better that's it. Does it feel like an opportunity to right the wrongs from the previous Champions League final? I don't look that way whatever happens before it happens you know uh, obviously people always will talk about that but as not one Premier League we've not won Cups you know that's part you can't win everything and you know um, we'll try to get ready for, for next Saturday and that's it. You're an extremely driven player. The manager says in the press conference today, you have to win this Champions League. Is that how you feel as the group? Well, I think when people talk about this team, then then maybe yes. You know, we've always tried. I think we, we had chances to win it, but we've not, not done it yet. But, you know, I don't think it puts more pressure, you know. Like I said, we've done what we've done this year and uh, we should enjoy the moment more and then, you know, try to deliver our best game and then hopefully that will be enough. What would it mean to you personally to win the European Cup in the treble? Well, it's something that I've not won yet, so it wouldn't mean a lot. But um, yeah, the 
meeting I can do is get ready as best as possible and hopefully play a good game next uh, Saturday and hopefully we can win it uh, as a team. How much are the players talking about this season, the three trophies to trouble? Not much, you know, we know <laughs> we know now that we, we have a chance to do that, but I think, you know, before you win anything or just a Premier League, like, can't talk about it because we've not done it now. We've we've won the, the FA Cup, so we've got a chance to win that game. And then after we know if you win against Inter, you have a treble. But you know we want to win the Champions League. And then, that's it. Can I just ask you as well about Ilkay Gundogan because that opening goal, the fastest ever in an FA Cup final, was something pretty special. That's incredible. You know the way he hits the ball. Yeah, it just went in perfectly. You know. You don't, you can't really train on a lot of these things, you know. It just the ball came in front of him and he just smashed it. What is it about this time of the season? Kyle Walker said a few weeks ago that on the training ground you call him Zinedine Zidane because at this time of year he scores great goals. Yeah, you know, uh, he's been incredible in the seven years he's been here anyway. Uh, but, you know, in the big moments he steps up, uh, he isn't afraid and he scores great goals. Uh, you want him to stay? Yeah, definitely. He should sign now. Yes, welcome back to the Talking City podcast. It was great to hear there from Kevin De Bruyne and Manu Kanji. Um, but the big story, Joe, is Gundogan's future. Um, it's been well documented that it's not certain at City. Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Surely from City's point of view, you want him to stay. Um, but as you were hinting at earlier, maybe this is his peak, perhaps. his latter year's peak. And they can't get much more out of him. I don't know. What, what, what are your overriding thoughts? Well, I think... They, they will be able to get more out of him if, if he stays. He's shown that he can play um, at a very high level in the biggest games, on the biggest stages, and will definitely be able to do that for another year. It seems like the the uh, the conflict in those talks is how long would he stay, and it's natural for, for Gundogan to want a longer contract, and it's probably natural for City to, to want to just be aware he is getting older, and is he, is he 33 now? You you do have to make sort of difficult decisions when when a player gets gets to that age, however good and however influential they are. Um, I mean, Guardiola's changed his tune a little bit. A few months ago, he was saying, "Let's wait and see. It's up to the club. It's not up to me." And then the more influential performance Gundogan puts in, he's saying, "No, I want him to stay. I've told the club. Um, it's it's still not up to me, but that is what I want." He said that after the final and. He said, "Hopefully, he will be able to stay." You know, obviously, Gundogan's not going to go on the pitch at Wembley and say, "I'm leaving or I'm staying." Um, I think he just said, "Nothing's decided yet," and I understand why he would want to to wait until after the Champions League final. Once you get into this this late stage, there's no point in in making a, a big decision like like that. Um, so I think it will it makes sense for all parties to to just wait and see what happens in Istanbul, have a week or two off however long is needed and then and then make that decision there are a few reports out um on monday saying that you know the parties are getting a bit closer um whether it's a, a one-year deal with an option of a second or something along the lines of that remains to be seen but um yeah does it, it, it's all it's this stage of a transfer rumor where you've got some reports coming out and then 
a source close to the camp will say no, nothing's happened, or the club will say no, that's 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 rubbish. It it really does uh, remain to be seen, as as we've said. I I just think City would 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 be silly to let him go, and it's easy to say Guardiola knows it. There's there's so many more factors at play, but when he's playing as he is now, you you do see a role for him, and you know you you've also got the uncertain future of Bernardo Silva. Um, I think Guardiola said before the game, someone asked him, is this his last FA Cup game? It was a bit of a a loaded question, but he just said, I, I don't know, we'll wait and see. But, you know, Bernardo has a long-term stance that he probably wouldn't like to be in Manchester, but, but he loves City, but maybe not living in the northwest of England, which is also understandable from a, a Portuguese player. Um, but if you lose Bernardo and if you lose Gundogan, that's a big, big hole in, in, in City's midfield. So you've... You've got to look at that as well, and I'm I'm sure that will be a, a part of of City's thinking. You, yeah, you just gotta wait and see. But uh, you ask all the players and you ask the manager now; they're all changing the tune. It, it used to be let's wait and see. It's not up to us. Uh, now they're all saying. I think Diaz came out and said we want Gundogan to stay. I think De Bruyne said the same. When he's playing like this, you, you can't blame him for saying saying things like that, can you? No, exactly, exactly. And let's say let's say he does leave, and let's say potentially Bernardo leaves as well there is a difficult task to replace them um, there aren't tons of quality central midfielders available out there now there are reports that um, uh, City are in talks with Mateo Kovacic um, p- perhaps Pep is, is um, using a contingency plan or p- planning, I don't know um, but if Gundogan leaves and if Bernardo leaves who who can replace them at City? Yeah, I think Kovacic is an okay choice. I've I've never been truly convinced by him, but then you look at his record, and you, I, I will happily back down on that because he's played for Real Madrid, won the Champions League, he's played for Chelsea, won the Champions League. He is a very good good player, and whether he's a Guardiola player, I'm not sure. But if you if you're playing under the managers that he has, you you will definitely have the the ability and. And, and knowledge to be able to adapt. I, I'm not sure he'd fit in alongside Gundogan. I'm not sure. Maybe he would be a, an alternate to that. Who knows? It. I think that's one where we'll just have to to wait and see. But within the squad, we've talked about Stones being able to maybe push in and, and add to that midfield. I think Phil Foden in the last few games has been earmarked as, as a future midfielder. After City won the league, he played there against Chelsea, um, against Brentford. He was he was in the centre of midfield. Uh, sorry, he was he was. It was Brighton. He was in centre field, and then he uh, he was given a, a run out wide uh, against Brentford. But he, he's been slowly and surely given chances in that centre midfield role uh, as Phil Foden, and he, he came on off the bench and was a bit more central than than you would have expected um, against Man United. He's another one who was not put into centre midfield for a long time. Guardiola said he's another one who needs to learn those tactics. He needs to improve his sort of. Dis, uh, discipline and tactical awareness he clearly has that now and he's he's been given those chances it, it'll be interesting to see how Foden develops over the next year and if there is a gap in midfield he might be a a way to just bridge the gap between potentially a couple of key players leaving and maybe new players coming in who who need a bit of time you've got Julian Alvarez who's played uh, sort of in that attacking midfield role City will have the players in the squad to cope but uh, replacing Replacing Gundogan potentially and Bernardo is uh, is going to be a very big task if that happens this summer. 
Yes, absolutely. It's especially how they have served the club for, for so many years during this period. Um, now, we are talking about transfers a lot here, and uh, we must remember there's still one big game to go. Um, but just before just just before we talk of the treble and, and, and we we dream about that, um, let's just comment on the on the double because you know we can easily get lost in in the, all this treble talk that actually City have done the league and cup treble again, which is no easy feat. So how much of an achievement is that? Well, I found it really interesting after the game that the the talk naturally went straight to. Champions League, can you win the treble? Guardiola had invited that for a long time. He said he will only talk about the treble if yeah, you know, City win the Premier League and then beat United in the cup because then they're only one game away. I understand why he said that and you know, of course he's then gonna be asked about about the treble and, and can City do it. But I think if City don't win that Champions League final, the the double is a, a you know, a big achievement. It it underlines City's dominance of, of English football and um, you know they've they've had to beat a very very good Arsenal side in the league to win the FA Cup. They beat Chelsea, they beat Arsenal, they beat Man United. Now they beat the two best teams in the Championship. That's not a bad run to the final, only conceding one goal, and it was a a penalty on on the way to that that FA Cup win. Um, you know only two other teams have have won the double more than once. City have done it twice. Arsenal and and United have have done it three times, and City have done it twice in in five years now. Of course, City will be judged on the Champions League. Guardiola said, yes, we've won all these domestic trophies, um, but we won't be recognised until we win the uh, the Champions League. That was sort of the view of the players we spoke to after the game as well. They were like, it's really important to win this one. I think Nathan Ake said, even if we don't win the treble, then the FA Cup is still a huge, huge trophy. But the only thought on, on everyone's mind was, was the Champions League. So I think whatever happens in Istanbul, City have still had a very, very good season. It was a little bit like whatever happened to United at Wembley. Before the season, if you'd offered them a cup and a Champions League place, that was going to be a good season. Yes, they've lost the FA Cup final, but they've still had a good season. So I think City's long-term legacy will be defined by next Saturday. But when when the dust settles on that, this season will still be a very, very good season season because they've they've won the double and uh, you know I've seen those comparisons of the last time another top team won the double I think only one team's done it in the last uh, 15 years or so and only two teams have done it in since 2000 City have done it twice in five years so I, I just think that shouldn't be lost in in the sort of uh, preparations and all the tro- trouble talk because it, doing a double is is no mean feat at all absolutely absolutely I'm going to replicate Erling Haaland here and say one more, one more. We have got one more game. Of course, the Champions League final, which we will discuss next in part three. Um, We're just going to take a quick break. uh, And when we come back, we'll preview the final with all the latest team news and give our predictions. Welcome back to the Talking City podcast. Um, for part three, we're going to talk the Champions League final. We're going to talk Istanbul. We're going to talk the treble. Joe, leading up to the game, like we've, we've, we've talked about 
the FA Cup, and obviously in previous podcasts we talked about the Premier League. But this is the one, isn't it? This is the one that the whole season has, or, or you could argue, Guardiola's tenure has led up to. Um, so, so give us a quick preview of, of where we're up to ahead of Inter Milan. Yeah, I think there's been a noticeable shift in the uh, the rhetoric coming out of City for a while. You know, the last few years, Guardiola has said, it doesn't matter if we don't win the Champions League, we're still a fantastic team, anything can happen in Europe. City have found very, very inventive ways to, to exit the Champions League in recent seasons. Uh, but they've got closer and they've got closer and closer. Um, and Guardiola has, has always pointed to that and say, as long as we're up there, as long as we we continue being in the quarterfinals, semifinals, then we are a, a big club in Europe. Now this season, it, it's changed and it's it's really become an admission of what everyone's always known, which is City need to win the Champions League to to sort of not validate what they've done, but just remove any doubt, any criticism that can be put at them of just how good this side are. Um, you know, they obviously got to the final two years ago. They were a minute away from the final last year. This year, they've beaten Bayern Munich. They put seven past RB Leipzig. They've beaten uh, Real Madrid, you know, comfortably, which is uh, n- not an easy feat at all. They've done the hard work. Obviously, Inter Milan will be a very difficult side. Uh, Guardiola said immediately after drawing into a lot of the players said on Saturday, an Italian team, five at the back, and not going to be uh, an easy team to beat uh, in the slightest. But it feels like they've done the hard work and they are close. They, they are openly admitting that this is the one that they want. I think Gundogan said after the game, this is the trophy that we really want. The FA. It, it felt like the FA Cup was good, but everyone really wants the Champions League. And now that everyone's admitting it, in a sense, they're putting more pressure on themselves um, to go on and win that and, and prove themselves. But, I, you know, I just think that after all the talk and they've done all the hard work over the last few years, they've shown that they can compete with Bayern and they can compete with Real Madrid, who are masters of this competition. They've got they've, they've just got to do it and... Uh, against Chelsea two years ago, it was, okay, it's the first time we've been there. Chelsea have been there before. We'll, we'll be back. This time, I think it's City are going to rock up in a completely different mindset, which is, we are here to win it. Um, they they did that in the quarterfinals, the semifinals. They've got a pretty settled eleven that they will probably play. They've got the experience. It was really interesting. Rodri said after the game, we had to lose to be able to win. Um, and I think that's... Uh, a sentence that a couple of others have said before, but basically they said they're not going to put Chelsea to the back of their minds in, in 2021. They're going to use that to their, their advantage, learn what they did wrong, um, just use that pain to fuel this week and this preparation for Inter Milan. So it's, I think they're putting more pressure on themselves than they ever have. But at the same time, this is a team who can now cope with that pressure, maybe in the past, they they haven't been able to. I'm thinking the exits to Tottenham, to Liverpool, to Lyon, even against Real Madrid last year. I think this is a team that can cope with that now and they're ready to do it. The fact that they beat United in that final with so much riding on it and did it fairly comfortably in the end sort of indicates that they're not afraid of, of the Champions League anymore. And that's a big sort of shift in, in that dressing room mentality, but one that will... You, you, 
it makes City favourites. I'm not going to say they're going to go there and win because City fans have, have been here before, but they they are closer than they have ever been to, to that Champions League title. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like you say, I think that the fact that they're open about it now shows their confidence about it. Um, in terms of team news, now, obviously... Ortega started the cup final. I'm presuming we don't think he's going to start the Champions League final. I'm presuming Edison's going to come back in. Otherwise, what what will there be many changes? Is anyone going to be brought in? Is Guardiola going to overthink and bring in a surprise tactic? What do we think? Well, if, if history is anything to go by before the season, he will overthink and play John Stones up front or something like that. He he, he did say uh, Ortega will start the FA Cup final and Edison will start the Champions League final. That's a, a fairly long-term stance that he's had regarding his goalkeepers. On on Ortega, by the way, I think it was a risk to start, start him in that FA Cup final. Yes, he's the cup goalkeeper. Yes, he'd started every every round until then and not started a game. But to not play your best goalkeeper in a final is undoubtedly a risk. His long, It was his long ball that that got the goal in the in the opening ten seconds. Um he dealt with everything at his feet. A couple of nervy moments, but ultimately had everything under control. He made a fantastic save in the last minute to with that goal mile scramble. Um he's probably someone who has done more than anyone else in, in that cup run to, to win that FA Cup and he fully justified his his selection, which was something I was gonna say earlier and completely forgot. So um I'm glad we mentioned Ortega because uh, he's there was a lot of talk about is it the right call it was on the back pages uh, of, of the risk and the gamble that he was taking but it was uh, fully justified in the end I think and uh, Ortega has uh, had a promising season apart from that uh, Carabao Cup game at Southampton uh, but back to the Champions League 11 I would expect the same outfielders that started the cup final to, to play in Istanbul they, it was a pretty much identical team that faced Real Madrid twice, Bayern Munich twice, um, Nathan Ake is back fit, he's probably the only one who would maybe come in, but I think Manu Akanji has justified his selections throughout, um, the the interwingers don't really strike me as someone who's going to get in behind, so um, you know, uh, Akanji can play and just have a one-on-one battle with, with those players. Um, I think the the tactic of Stones pushing into midfield, then making a back three of Walker, Diaz and, and Akanji is working. Um, it would be harsh on Ake because he's had a very, very good season, but you don't disrupt, disrupt a win inside. And that midfield of Rodri Gundogan, um, De Bruyne is world-class. I, I don't think there's a better midfield three in the world um, at the moment. And, and the front three, Grealish, um, Bernardo, uh, and and Haaland, Bernardo he doesn't often play as the winger. He sort of comes inside a bit, but um, he he has shown against Bayern and Real Madrid that uh, that he he is better for that system. And uh, it's just a bit more control and uh, City have lacked that in in recent finals. You look at Foden, you look at Mares, possibly Julian Alvarez on the bench in that situation, and you think it's a bit harsh that they're not playing. But when when those front six that I've mentioned have have done so well in the uh, in the big finals and semi-finals so far. You, you, I just can't imagine injury aside, anyone else starting that game. I think Bernardo had he had a bit of a limp after the game. He walked through the mix zone and someone said, "How's the injury?" He just said, "Oh, it was just just a kick." I think De Bruyne went off a little bit early, but when we spoke to him, he didn't seem to have any discomfort. It might have just been tactical, even or we just, we know he's generally tired at the end of the season anyway. But 
if anyone has a niggle, if anyone has a, a bit of fatigue, they're not telling the manager before a Champions League final at all. So um, I'd be surprised if Edison is the is not the only change. I, I think he will be, sorry, the only change. Uh, I think it will be the same outfield. But um, is there anyone you, you would bring in from that, that 11 just to, to mix things up a bit? Uh, I'm... I'm pretty much with you i mean i me personally i'm a i'm a quite a big fan of nathan ake um and he probably would be the only the only change really because you you don't want i th- I, I think going into the difficult final there was a little bit of a risk of rustiness from a few because obviously that team hadn't played together for a little while because of injuries etc um but they showed well they, sh- they shook off any rustiness and they showed absolute competence when when they were at wembley um, so I don't like you. I don't really see too too many changes. Maybe Ake, like I say, but that might be just because of my personal preference, and I like him. I'm not sure. But but I just want to have a brief word on on Inter. Um, and and you briefly mentioned it there. But but they're what threats they might have. Uh, obviously they've got Edin Dzeko, who was obviously the the 2012 title hero for City, or one of them, should I say? Um. Do they have any others? And also, just to round this podcast off, was United the harder final potentially, or or is Inter harder? What what's your take? When when the treble was sort of discussed, I always thought that the FA Cup would be a bigger banana skin than the Champions League when we knew who the, who was in the final. Um, I've said for a long time I think City will win two out of three. Now they've got past United and Real Madrid in the uh, Champions League semi-finals. I can't see City losing. I think they've, as I say, they've they've done all the hard work. Now Inter will be uh, very difficult. All the players said that when we spoke to them. Guardiola said the same. City will underestimate them at their peril. Yes, they've got sort of a Premier League old boys team, but that's a Premier League old boys team who have reached the final and and deserve respect for for doing so. And they've beaten some really good sides along the way. Um, you know, a, a semi-final derby against your biggest rivals is not easy at all. Um, so yeah, I think Inter will be very, very hard to break down. It'll be a different, different test to United. They will most likely sit in rather than try and press. Um, they'll make City dominate the game and and say say to City, go on then. What can you do? And then I'm generalising a little bit, but probably try and play on the break, set set pieces, that kind of thing. I think. It will be a big tactical test for City because Italian teams are, are very sort of methodical, and uh, I, I will confess to not watching into a lot this season. Uh, I was they are, they are the surprise package in the final, aren't they? But as as I think De Bruyne said, and maybe Nathan Ake, if they've got to the final, they're a very good team, and uh, you know City may have fallen into the trap of underestimating Chelsea two years ago. I don't think they're going to do the same again, and whoever they've got in that team whether they're sort of former United City Arsenal players, it doesn't matter. They, they are good players and they know that they're 90 minutes from winning the Champions League. So um, I think City will win. I think it will be tight again. I don't think it will be that end-to-end, that high scoring, but you would back City to uh, to just have enough. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for your expertise, Joe. Um, really appreciate that. Um, just a quick mention to say that the Manchester Evening News will be at Manchester City's media day ahead of the Champions League final on 
Saturday, uh, the media day will be on Tuesday, uh, and we will be there covering it in writing and in video and everything else, and we'll have uh, Simon Badkowski as well, also in Istanbul, to cover the final. Um, thanks again, Joe, and uh, we'll see you soon.